I don't understand why you're going to take this six figure job when you have all the opportunity in the world to start any type of business, or you can step into, or I could have taken over his, which Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do because even though I did go to jewelry school here in New York, it just wasn't what I loved, even though I had grown up with, I had grown up in the industry and pretty much had access to whatever I wanted to do. If I wanted to pursue design and retail and manufacture, it just wasn't mine. You're listening to the Move to Millions podcast with Dr. Darnielle J. Harmon. If you're ready for high-level conversations that position and prepare you to move your company, cash flow and connection to and beyond the million dollar mark, let's get this party started. This episode is powered by Move to Millions Live. Listen to me. If you are a millions-minded entrepreneur, this is the only event you need to make your move to millions. Learn more today at movetomillionsevent.com. I have an amazing treat for you. Today's guests, y'all are not ready. I don't even think you're ready, but I wanted to make sure that I brought you a conversation that will make the difference on you getting to the move, the million dollar mark. We talk all the time about the tactical strategy. We spent a lot of time talking about the mindset that'll make the difference on your move to millions. Well, today I am going to introduce you to what I think is the secret, the the magic, I don't want to call it a pill because that just doesn't sound right, but the thing that you're going to need to add into your business's infrastructure if you really have millions on your mind. I am talking about PR, visibility, and the media. And I have the best guest ever to introduce you to, Kristen Marquette has been a publicist and business owner for more than 14 years. As the owner and creative director of Marquette Media, Kristen oversees the daily operations of the business while executing client campaigns. Throughout her career as a publicist, she's developed partnerships with leading brands and entrepreneurs. She and her clients have been featured in Inc., Forbes, Fortune, Wall Street Journal, Entrepreneur, and many more. With an academic background in advanced studies in data science, business, and public relations. Kristen has attended Boston University, New York University, and Massachusetts Institute of Technology. She is also a member of the Young Entrepreneur Council. Listen, I need you to grab pen and grab paper, take the hand you write with and shake it profusely because Kristen drops some major media nuggets You thought the only way to get the attention that you want in the media was to hire a publicist. And while that may be true, there are some things that you can begin doing right now. Look at me, move the needle on you making the move to millions and leveraging the power of media. Let's jump into my conversation with Kristen. Kristen Marquette. Oh, I'm so excited to welcome you to the Move to Millions podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited too. As we were discussing just before we started recording, this conversation has been in the making for a very long time, (laughs) but I also think it's the perfect time. Before we jump right in, take a quick moment and just tell everybody who you are in your own words. Sure. I have been in the PR industry now for about 15 years. I started my first company in 2006, maybe. But prior to that, I had worked for one of the big four management consulting firms during the financial crisis. Actually, my entire 
office got downsized. So at that point, I had to decide whether I was going to get a job or start a business. And I started a business and the early days were crazy in terms of growth and not having minimal experience growing a team and then managing clients. But over the last 15 years, I've learned how to scale through controlled growth, work with the clients that we really love, be able to provide real results that's going to help the objective of the reason why they hired us, whether it's getting brand awareness, launching a new company, launching a product or a service, or book software as a service, or just trying to build an email list. And over the last 15 years, I've learned a lot about how to position clients to get media coverage and then leverage that for larger opportunities. And that's where we are today. I have other peripheral businesses that support my agency, but say 80% of my time is spent on marketing media. Okay. Awesome. You said a couple of things that I just want to dig into a little bit. First, crisis, downsize, start a business, get a job. I think many of us have been there. I've had similar instances where I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? And then you always bet on yourself, right? So it sounds like you bet on yourself. How did you choose PR? Like, where did that kind of come from? When I was working in consulting, I had a couple of freelance clients, digital marketing clients. And I had one of my larger freelance clients had asked if I would be interested in doing some publicity for them. And I wasn't really, I didn't really have a strong understanding of what publicity entailed because my background, I went to an engineering college. And at that point I had just received my first master's degree in finance. I was approaching digital marketing more from an analytics and data science approach, not so much from the creative strategic side. When this client asked me if I wanted to embark upon this publicity campaign as a test for myself and a test for them, I thought, you know what, this is actually a really good way for me to gauge whether this is something that I can do long-term in the event that I wanted to pivot from consulting to PR. And from that first campaign, learned that this was what I was really good at and I can deliver true value to clients. But before I had gotten laid off or during the stages, I should say, I was really weighing what I should do. Should I look for a job or should I really try and take this freelance work that I had and scale it up to a to an agency? And I did the latter and I've been extremely successful doing so. And I'm very grateful for that. There were a lot of growing pains, learning the nuances of the way that the media worked and have a journalism background. I didn't have a PR background. So I dove into this head first and learned in the trenches. And it was tough. I learned a lot of valuable lessons and I'm happy to share all those with you today. Yeah. I love all of that because I think similarly, our business is 15 years old. Our first years were terrible. Our OG listeners have heard me tell these stories a million times. (laughs) Ramen noodles, peanut butter and jelly, bankruptcy, having to go back to work because I didn't know what I was doing when it came to business. And what it sounds like you did that I did that I think it's important for our listeners before we get into the crux of what we're talking about today for them to understand is you made a decision because there's so much power in just deciding in the trenches, as you said, 
the decision itself really starts to create an environment for the things that you need to learn and to process to come into your life experience because you've decided. What a perfect time for us to be having this conversation at the top of a new year, at the time of the recording, when people are deciding. They're deciding that this is the year their business is going to make the move to millions. They're deciding to consider the feasibility of figuring out how to raise their voice, how to amplify their message so that they get in front of more people, which will ultimately lead to, as you mentioned, scaling and scaling with controlled growth, which I can 100% get around. I don't like the quick and fast because it's seldom sustainable, but really creating an environment where that is what people get to experience. And so I'm really excited because I know we, and I think we will get to talk about what we want to talk about, but I just really want to hear some of your success clues over the last 15 years of really coming into an industry. Because I think that there's a lot of people that are just like you were back in 06, 07, that had an opportunity to do something they'd never done. Their education and background didn't support the facilitation and the feasibility of doing that work, but they made that decision and they went all in. And some years later, here you are, this massive success, having an agency over the seven-figure mark, ancillary businesses, all feeding into the work that it is that you do. And I'm going to ask you a question that might be tough for you. If you had to summarize the last 15 years into two to three success clues that you would share with someone who wants to embark on a journey to get their own business to the million dollar mark this year, what would you say to them? Hunker down. It's <laughs> one thing. Forget about all the noise. Forget about all the BS. Just focus on one thing. Pick two or three niches that are not completely dominated and actually want your offering. Figure it out. Don't try to compete on price, which is actually subset of success clue number two. Number three, you need to surround yourself with the right people. You need to learn from others who have done it. I didn't do that. I learned everything on my own. I had the support of my then boyfriend, now husband. I had the support of my parents. They were all in on me starting this business, even though I had student loan debt. I was moving into the apartment with my boyfriend. I didn't have a lot of savings. You have to have people that you can learn from. That's one of the things that I wish that I would have had. I learned day to day on my own. And to be frank, it sucked because I had nobody to go to. I had no sounding boards. And then through, over the course of time, I made friends with other agency owners and I learned we were all facing the same battles, the same challenges. And it was nice to have a group of people that I can bounce ideas off of. But that wasn't until year five. First yeah. four years, I was on my own. So important. And I just want to underscore it because I think that inside of this coaching and development and mentoring space, there's a lot of good, but there's also a lot of smoke, smoke and mirrors. And there's a lot of people who have burned or tainted experience for entrepreneurs who like us back then just really want to learn how to navigate. Because it's one thing to have even been in an entrepreneurial family. And I don't know if that's your story, but Kristen, it's definitely not mine. Yeah, it is. My dad worked a job every day. And when I told him I was going to quit my good vice president job <laughs> and at that time sell Mary Kay Cosmetics, he thought I was smoking crack. Like, he's like, <laughs> why in the world would you do such a thing? Then to leave Mary Kay, start the business, 
struggle in the business. I have to go back to work. I got a lot of I told you so's. And then when I finally figured this thing out, I also got a lot of, wow, you did it, right? And But all that time in between, because similar to you in my early years, I thought I could just research my way to seven figures. No, it, it, <laughs> it doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. You have to have an infrastructure of people that have done it to help you get to that point. And there was, there was a lot of a lot of growing pains throughout the years. So I agree. My both my parents were business owners. My mom in the restaurant business. My father was in the jewelry business, retail and design. So I was lucky to grow up with encouragement. This is if you aren't going to become a doctor or a lawyer, then you should become a business owner. But my first job out of college when I worked in consulting, I mean, my father was the opposite of yours. He was, I don't understand why you're going to take this six figure job when you have all the opportunity in the world to start any type of business, or you can step into, or I could have taken over his, which I didn't want to do because even though I did go to jewelry school here in New York, it just wasn't what I loved, even though I had grown up with, I had grown up in the industry and pretty much had access to whatever I wanted to do. If I wanted to pursue design and retail and manufacture, it just wasn't mine. Do you have millions on your mind? Well, I would like to invite you to join us for Move to Millions Live. Our 2023 theme is sought after. This is the must attend event for million dollar CEOs and million dollar CEOs in the making. If you are ready to plan, prepare and position your company for more, then you need to get your ticket today to movetomillionsevent.com. I even love that. I wrote that quote down. If you aren't going to be a doctor or a lawyer, become a business owner. I love that. That's a t-shirt. That's a total t-shirt. So good. So good. And I love that you had even the experience of watching your parents each running their respective businesses to draw from Mm -hmm. as you made this decision after being laid off to come into the world of PR. Let's talk about that. When we first started our conversation, even today, I said to you, I really want to explore how entrepreneurs can really leverage the visibility that the the media will give them in order to scale their businesses. And I know for me, and I even say this all the time, Kristen, you can oops your way to six figures. You can do almost everything wrong. Right, and still hit $100,000. Right, Uh absolutely, right? You got to do more things right in order to hit seven. And I think one of those things is understanding the role that the media And PR really does play in getting your business to the next level. And 15 years in prestigious agency and a lot of ways working with some amazing clients in lots of different sectors. Talk to me, just let's overview it first. Why is now the people listening are on the path to get their business to the million dollar mark? Why do they need to start paying attention to what the media can do and how the media can help them now? Okay, first it's getting that third-party endorsement. Think about if you read a review about a new fashion designer or a restaurant in the New York Times written by the editorial team. Yeah. Okay. That is going to hold much more credibility and weight over seeing an advertisement. That's one thing. So you're getting that third-party endorsement, which builds instant credibility with potential customers and existing customers. The other thing is... 
when you get media coverage, you can pretty much have the pick of the litter in terms of recruiting talent. If you get featured Forbes or the Wall Street Journal or Inc. or Entrepreneur, you are going to attract some of the best talent. In terms of hiring and compensation and structuring all that, it's a whole nother conversation. Absolutely. But like I said, getting featured in one of those business media could be a game changer in terms of team and talent. The other thing is getting quoted or featured, getting your product featured in a roundup or getting even on local television in your market, even on a podcast can open a realm of possibilities and doors for your SEO strategy. Those backlinks are going to help make your website more credible, therefore ranking higher on Google. Publicity has, even though it shouldn't be a conduit to drive sales, it could be an ancillary strategy that can help support a larger sales strategy. But there are so many benefits in terms of thought leadership, building your visibility in targeted trade media, television media. I can talk ad nauseum about the benefits (laughs) that publicity can have on even the smallest business owner's bottom line. Yeah. I love that you said that specifically about media not being a direct conduit to a sale, but for complementing and supplementing the sales cycle and the sales journey. Because I think a lot of people also misconstrue. And I always talk about this all the time as it pertains to marketing as a whole, Kristen, like marketing is not a guarantee for sales. It helps to make sales possible, but it is not apples to apples comparison, or I put a dollar here, I should get $20 to pop out. Like it just doesn't work that way. (laughs) PR and visibility is the same thing, but the right PR, the right message, the right story positioned well, will create that credibility that you spoke about, which makes it, first of all, it makes me aware that you even exist with nearly 8 billion people in the world. There's a lot of people we've never heard of that could probably solve the problems that we have day in and day out. And so being featured, and we can even, if you want, we can get into the tiers of media because there are tiers, but being featured in media at every tier creates some additional credibility so that now I have an awareness of you. Once Mm -hmm. I have an awareness of you, you have an opportunity to get me to engage with you. And once I've engaged with you, we can deepen that connection to the point where I could then end up converting with you. And so it's a part of the journey. And I think that the important thing that I want to make sure that we drive home to the listeners before we get into some of the tactical things we should be doing in order to get media attention is if you're making the decision that PR is part of your strategy, think of it as a long-term strategy and not a short-term strategy. Yeah, The best way to say that. And I say this to my clients, potential clients, you have to be in this for the long haul. And it publicity really is a marathon. It's not a sprint. If you're looking to get short-term coverage, that's fine, but you have to have something on the back end. And you also have to have your funnel in place that you can convert whatever it is your objective is. And that's really what it comes down to. Years ago, when I first started in the industry, I had worked with a fashion designer and she we got her shirt on Oprah, okay? On Oprah Ward on one of the December 
issues of the print magazine. Nice. And she sold 10 because she didn't have her back end in place. That's so good, Kristen. That is so good. And I want to, I want to pause there for a second because I think so many people are getting media attention, but like you said, they don't have the opt-in page set up. When you get that lower third from the media, like you got to be strategic in where you send people. You don't have to use your website. You can send them to a landing page that starts their journey with you. What are some of the other things, if you're going to have media exposure, like what are some of the other things you need to have in place besides- On the back end. Yeah, on the back end, besides the funnel. Like what are some of the other things you should have? It starts with before you even embark upon any PR campaign or journey, you need to have your objective. What do you want to achieve? Do you want to get awareness because you're- making a new hire? Are you launching a new product? Are you trying to get on local television because you wrote a book? Are you trying to become an Amazon bestseller? Like You need to have a very clear and finite idea of what it is that you want to achieve. Then once you have your objective set up, then you can create your PR strategy based on whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. And then from there, once you have outlined all the different types of media that you want to target with the messaging and that you have the right contacts and you have the timeline and you have your measurement or your monitoring measurement tools set up, then from there, you can have your back end. You can have your landing page, your lead magnet, whether you have an email or a webinar or a masterclass funnel. And then from there, ultimately move them to the bottom that they buy from you. But again, the publicity point is only one point of contact in a larger sales funnel. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's so important. You mentioned monitoring and measuring tools. Can you explore that a little? Yeah. In this day and age, there are so many of them that are free. or low cost, something as simple as Google alerts, you know, when something runs, whenever you're mentioned in the media, and then Google news. And then from there, you can use something like mention.net as a way to gauge the sentiment, the positioning, and then also where you rank in terms of your competitors. And I think that's $20 a month or something. Those are just two examples of two tools that you can use to monitor and measure for pretty much nothing. That's so good. I've decided I want to seek out media coverage. My business is growing. We're solving real problems. We're getting major success for our clients. I get clear about what I want my objective to be. Then I start to work on my PR strategy. And as a part of that, I identify the media outlet sources that I think are going to be best for me to position myself in front of. Then I start working on my messaging and get really clear about the story from a few different angles based on the media outlet in order to seek out their attention. And then I put everything in place that if I am selected to participate and get featured in any of those sources, everything is set up in order Mm -hmm. to start the customer's journey towards potentially becoming a client. Love all of that. Okay, how do I... Not And I'm not talking about me, Darnielle. I'm talking about me, the six-figure service-based entrepreneurs out in the world that all want to make the move to millions. 
when I think that my story and who I am, like there's nothing really special about it. I didn't grow up in poverty. I wasn't a teenage mom. My parents didn't go to jail when I was little. I didn't know Bernie Madoff personally. Like when I don't think I have a story that is going to be resonant and relevant to the media what in the devil do I do that my voice becomes one that gets amplified through the use of media and PR? I know this is the part of conversation you've been waiting for. I see you're just getting yourself ready to jump right in there. This is this is something that I hear time and again. One of my side businesses is Femme Founder. We have a PR course and this is something that first-time entrepreneurs or newbies always ask. And it, you don't have to have something that's innovative or revolutionary. You just have to have something that's a little unique. It could be a framework, could be something as simple as launching a new mascara, but there needs to be a newsworthy component. And generally newsworthy, anything that falls under that topic can be opening a new office, making a new hire, launching a new product, writing a book, launching a podcast, launching a video cast something that you want to make an announcement about. That's one piece. The other piece is defining your credibility markers. And credibility markers could be anything from your education, your work experience, a personal transformation that would make an editor or television producer want to talk to you over everybody else out there. If you or somebody that lost 150 pounds, that's enough as a credibility marker. If you're an MD that is cosmetic surgery that does reality stars cosmetic procedures, obviously Mm -hmm. you have the academic and actual professional experience to talk about weight loss. So they're two very different approaches to the same subject. And really what it comes down to are those two things. What makes you credible and what makes you newsworthy? be the first in your family to make millions. But if I have my way, you won't be the last. Join me live at Move to Millions Live 2023 happening May 24th through the 26th in the Washington, D.C. area. If you desire to make real money in your business, then join us at the number one business training event on the planet for millions-minded CEOs and million-dollar CEOs in the making. Your Move to Millions starts at Move to Millions Live 2023. Grab your ticket today at movetomillionsevent.com. Wow, that's so good. What makes you credible? I hope you guys are taking notes. And what (laughs) makes you newsworthy? That's so good because I feel like so many people with our clients, we introduce the need for starting to think about visibility and PR strategies as they're trying to get their business to the seven-figure mark. And I think so many people don't realize that in a lot of ways, just who they are makes them newsworthy. They haven't figured out how to position the story such that it's it's a spin. And what would you say is the role that current events plays in you becoming newsworthy? Like, should we be seeking out, I call them spark events. Should we be seeking out those events that are happening in the world that spark a reason for you to be mentioned in the media? Or should we just be looking for the things about ourselves that are constant and credible and constantly presenting that? Or should we be doing both? 
You should be doing both, particularly if somebody is an expert on the royal family, then they should leverage what's happening with Harry and Meghan now in his new book. Or if somebody has somebody's a service provider and they're going to be launching a seasonal product, then they should tap into the seasonality of whatever it is when they're going to be launching. So I do think that piggybacking off current events can open up doors, especially for stuff that's breaking news or something Mm -hmm. seasonal, but you shouldn't rely on that year round. That's good. I remember when the government was shut down, I was taking my dad to dialysis and they took him back and I'm sitting in the waiting room. There was me and one other gentleman in there. And Anderson Cooper says, it's day nine of the government shutdown. Kristen, I had no idea that the government was shut down. I had no clue. Like, I'm almost embarrassed to even tell you this, but I had no clue. Immediately after that, I was like, oh my gosh, I missed something really major. At that particular point in time, I was still working with people that were at startup. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have been everywhere talking about five things to consider now if you're a government worker to start your own business. And I just totally missed it. And ever since then now, I still don't watch the news because I just, the media in a lot of ways is designed wreak fear and havoc in your life. Of course. But now I at least, I have the apps. I get the highlights so I know what's going on so that I never miss a moment. But I'm with you. Like I'm always looking for different places to present my story instead of having to wait for something to happen. It's the same as if you're a speaker and you want to get booked to be the keynote speaker at every event that you possibly can. I think that's every keynote speaker stream. While you're waiting for people to put you on their stage, you can create your own stage. And so similarly, like that's always been my approach is, okay, how can I just highlight the things that we're doing? For instance, something that we did that was, it created a spark that we're now still writing Last year, when the American Express, their annual report on women-owned businesses came out, it was noted in there that Black women-owned businesses, on average, generate $28,000 a year. Really? Wow. Yeah. So here's the thing. I've got a mastermind with 50 women in it who all do $28,000 in a month, a week, a day, an hour. Mm -hmm. And so we're defying the statistic and being able to leverage that story and that positioning. I got a lot of media coverage around that report coming out. And so I I feel like what I'm hearing you say between it, and I just want to clarify, and then if you have anything that you want to add to it, is as business owners, we have to always be looking for those things about us that to us, they're common, but to other people, they make a big, because you get to the point where That's the thing. If you're helping people to get to seven figures like we are, yeah, $28,000 in a day is completely possible. It's not deal. And because it's so commonplace, we sometimes negate how much of a deal that makes to other people. And so Mm -hmm. some of the, the common things that you are doing are newsworthy. At least that's what I feel like I'm hearing you say. And when I look at the words that you're saying and extrapolate it, would you agree? Yeah, I do. And last year I was... Little old me was in the media, top tier media, over 200 times. Nice. From today.com, Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, you name it. Mm-hmm. I've been in it. It's because I always have something else to contribute. Oh, that's like it. I talk about my journey of infertility and now embarking upon surrogacy, which doesn't have anything to do with my business. Mm-hmm. I've talked to the Business Insider and the New York Times and all those about it. I also talk about 
women's interest media. I talk about how I'm a runner at 43, in better shape now than I was in high school. I was mm-hmm. an athlete in high school and a cheerleader. I was a cheerleader too. As long as you constantly have a bank of idea you can talk about, you can pitch different media about. It doesn't just have to be business media. It could be women's interest, be luxury living. It could be travel. It could be food. It could be wine. It could be family. It could be parenting. I have a client of mine actually who is based in Boston and she is in the mental health realms also. Mm-hmm. She sees patients one-to-one, but I got her in Architectural Digest talking about her new house wow. and all of the design that she did and all this. As long as you're creative and you feel comfortable talking about these different things, different passions, different hobbies, different mm-hmm. life experiences, like me with surrogacy and IVF and all this. Yeah, girl. We could have a whole conversation about that because <laughs> I've had my own IVF journey and I'm still sitting, I'm 47. Okay. And so we've been trying for four years. We, I got married late, so I was a late bloomer. So I got married five days before my 42nd birthday. We okay. made a decision to wait a year. If I had it to do all over again, we would not have waited, but we wait, we made a decision to wait a year. Because you know what? I didn't know it was going to be hard. I literally learned in this journey that there's only five or six days a month you can get pregnant. Girl, let me tell you, Kristen, I thought we would just do it. And I know what happened. Like I had no idea. And so we went through this process, five rounds of, of IVF and still not having a baby. And so I'm at that critical junction. I need to make a decision and I don't, I'm not decided. Do we want to do egg donor? Do we want to do surrogacy? Both of them are on the table. I have time to decide because I can do surrogacy into whatever. I can do egg donor until I'm 50. When I remember when I first, I can't believe we're talking about this now, but at the same time, I'm excited too because I remember when once we first started and I wasn't getting pregnant and I'd never been as regular as I am in my life. I called the first fertility clinic and because I was 42, they wouldn't even take us unless we wanted to do donor eggs. Really? And I remember crying like profusely, like someone had just kicked me in the gut with spiked stilettos on. Oh my God. And, I, and my husband came in and he's, what is going on? And I said, I'm in between the tears. I'm telling him, we ended up calling another fertility clinic and they were like, no, we're not going to make that decision before we take you through all the tests. And so when I started going through all of the tests, my egg reserve, I know this is an overshare y'all. So I'm just telling you, but I want to tell the story. My numbers were like I was 37. We went through the process. We tried blah, 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 blah. Egg quality was always the challenge. Like mm. we, had, we haven't gotten, the, even though we had a embryos that were rated A or B, they didn't end up in turning into a child or whatever. But anyway, what I realized, because I did a docu-series where I talked about our journey of infertility. So this was the whole point that I was trying to make by telling that little background story is I 100% agree with you that We don't have to only be in the media for the business and the work that it is that we do. Because the more we can appear human, I think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Every (laughs) single person is looking for a place where they belong. And when I did that docuseries, even though it was a little intrusive and at my own hand, it was intrusive. The number of women who slid in my DMs or sent me emails to tell me that they had been experiencing infertility as well. It warmed my heart. It gave me new community. And I totally wasn't even thinking what it would do for my business. But I can also tell you that I've gained clients from it just because I was a human being 
having a human experience that also happens to be this expert and thought leader that could help some of these other people that have been experiencing the same thing. And I just wanted to co-sign on that. Anything goes, any story that's relevant. And I want to go back to, I wrote down what you said. Hold on, let me go back to it. You said, keep a bank of ideas about the things that are happening in your life Mm -hmm. will put you in position to pitch yourself to different media outlets. That right there, if you ask me, was worth the price of taking the time to listen to this podcast episode because I feel like it will liberate so many people who think that they just have to focus on their business and their unique mechanism and that they can't talk about their life. And I think it just creates a way to make you human. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, everybody who's making an investment decision as an individual is making an investment decision in the individual. Even if you're some big brand name, it still boils down to the story of the founder who started that particular company and how it resonates and and all of that. So I just think that is so powerful. And I'm excited for our listeners who now have a the, an, I, an opportunity to create a plethora of new ideas that they could potentially pitch themselves to the media and open themselves <laughs> up to so many other outlets that aren't Forbes and entrepreneur. They'll yield the same result if they do what you said earlier and get all of their stuff in place and have that back end funnel. Absolutely. Fully okay. agree. So good. I love that because I just feel like so many of us don't realize that every area of our life has the potential to be newsworthy. I just think that's so amazing because you're shifting paradigms and you're creating an environment for people to look at themselves and what's happening inside of their story differently, which I think Mm -hmm. is pretty powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And every moment of our lives are changed. And as long as you keep a record of what's happening, end up leveraging it for a story or podcast like I did here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I just think for me, I think this conversation is so important because I think media is such an anomaly to so many people. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they just think don't understand they how don't it understand. works or, you know, they think that they need, like we talked about prior to recording, they think that they have to spend $10,000, $15,000 a month hiring a firm when that's really not the case. They could do it themselves, but it does take time and it, it takes take commitment time. and it takes follow-up and persistence and just like anything, doing anything else that's worthwhile. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people are going to realize that they can. Just as we before we round out the interview, you've already given so many amazing tips about what business owners can begin to do now in order to get things in place, in order to create an opportunity to pitch themselves to media outlets. Is there anything else that you can think of that would be really important for our listeners to know as they embark on a journey to really leverage the media more in order to get some additional visibility for their companies? Yeah, just never blanket pitch, never mass pitch out individual pitches one-to-one quality really matters quantity doesn't i tell my clients this from the inception of any campaign i'd rather have you over the course of six months have 15 amazing stories that really move the needle for your business instead of having 30 crappy ones that don't really do anything focus on quality make sure that your pitches are short to the point, 150 words or fewer. That's generally what I strive for. And just don't give up. You know, you pitch one person, you don't hear back, follow up two weeks later, you still don't hear back, follow up two weeks later, you still don't hear back, 
then you know what, leave that person alone and move on to the next person in the newsroom who might actually be interested in covering your story. And you can find the right people on Twitter. That's, mm-hmm. that's the great thing about Twitter. A lot of journalists are on there and it's easy to find their contact information. That's a good little tip. You, these last few tips, I had to pull out my iPad and start writing again. 250 <laughs> words or less for your pitches, lined or bulk pitch, and nope. leverage Twitter to meet the journalist. And that's yep. what I love about social media. It removes any and every barrier. Everybody yep. is accessible now because of social yep. media. So there's really no excuse. If you want to leverage PR, to move your business forward, there's no excuse for you to not do. And we'll Absolutely. make sure that we put in the show notes how they can connect with you. Okay. You mentioned at the beginning that you do have a course on PR. So we'll make sure that we get that information into the show notes. Now, before I let you go, I always like to ask my three questions at the end, just to round out the conversation. Sometimes we don't ever talk about business. And we had us a nice little conversation that was holistic. We done talked about a little bit of everything, which I love, but I always like to just ground the interview in these closing questions. And so my first question is always, what is one book or what is either the last book or one book that you've read that has made a difference in your own journey that you would refer to someone else if they asked? She Means Business by Carrie Green. I think she's the Female Association, Female Entrepreneurs Association. I think Mm -hmm. that's her. That book gave a lot of very insightful information about Carrie's journey, but also shared a lot of actionable tips that people in our space can follow. That's one book that I really enjoyed reading and do go back to every now and again. Nice. I love that. And then what's one quote? that keeps you motivated as you go through the ebbs and flows and highs and lows that go along with businesses at the million and multi-million dollar mark. Can't please everybody. Girl, that's a good one. (laughs) And you know what? Who cares what other people think? At the end of the day, you got to do what's right for you. Those two go hand in hand. Yeah, I always say what you think of me is none of my business. I don't need to be concerned about what you think of me. (laughs) I just really don't. And then last but certainly not least, what is one tool that has been instrumental in your own move to and beyond the million dollar mark? That's actually a really good question. One tool, I wouldn't really say it's a tool. I would say it's more of a mindset and it's just hunkering down and focusing and Mm -hmm. getting shit done. Part of my French, that's really what it comes down to. Got it. For me is concentration, focus, and just tuning out all the noise. Yeah. And I would definitely say that's a tool. And a tool by definition is anything that helps you to accomplish something. And so a focus helps you. And I agree with that too, especially to get to the million dollar mark. Like people think that you got to be doing all the things and know what you really need to do is drill down on the one thing, refine and amplify. If you just Mm -hmm. keep refining and amplifying, you'll find yourself on the move to millions so much faster than you Absolutely. Yep. And forget about all the other stuff and try not to get too caught up in shiny object syndrome. That's a detriment. Absolutely. Kristen, this has been awesome. This has been so stinking amazing. I love your energy. I just love (laughs) everything about what we've had an opportunity to talk about. And I'm just so excited about your journey and all of the companies that you run and how you're supporting those underrepresented voices and women, especially to get out there, do amazing work and to love every single minute of it. So I just thank you so much for taking the time to stop by the Move to Millions podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, we, I would say all clients right now, except for one are female. 
female based, which is quite amazing. Yeah. With female founders because I get them. And it's just a different approach than working with male founder. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I'm just going to leave it right there because girl, that'll send us into a conversation <laughs> that'll take us into a whole nother episode. I know. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot you of fun. So I really enjoyed welcome. our time together. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Are you feeling me? Wasn't it good? So many amazing nuggets that were dropped. And of course, we had that little sidebar talking about infertility. That was just a bonus for you. But there are so many things that I loved about this conversation with Kristen, specifically around how to leverage your story and how all of your stories are relevant, getting your business media attention that could move the needle. I mean, we you you heard it. We talked about so many things. There were so many nuggets towards the end that I just want to pull on for you for a second. Two questions to ask yourself. What makes me credible and what makes me newsworthy? And always making sure that you're writing down the things that are happening in your life that will give you something to contribute to the media. I love when she said, keep a bank of ideas so that you can pitch yourself to different media outlets. Instead of only focusing on business outlets, if you build a new house, you might get into Architecture Digest. All of that can get us back to your business. Once you said, like she said, once you actually create an environment where you start with an objective, create a strategy for your PR based on that, and what you're trying to achieve, craft your message, and then set up the back-end funnel. All of these things will work towards getting you more media attention that the media can be an important part of your overarching marketing strategy to make the move to millions. I'm excited for you. I know you'll come back to this episode several times to write down all of these nuggets and leverage them in order to use the media. We put everything you need to know about Kristen in the show notes. So you'll be able to find her if you want to deepen how you leverage the media through her support. I'm excited for you. I can't wait to hear how the media makes a difference on your move to millions. I'll see you guys next time. Take care. Thank you for joining me for the Move to Millions podcast. The way I see it, you deserve a business that generates millions. If you're ready to get started, grab our Move to Millions quick start guide and join our online community at movetomillionsgroup.com. If you enjoyed our time together, do yourself a favor, head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Until next time, remember, millions are your birthright. And to access them, all you have to do is move. I'll see you next time. Take care. Oh, 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 o